1939, in Chicago, a man named Jerry Palace met a girl at a local dance hall. She was a lovely blonde woman wearing a pretty white dress, and the pair danced the night away. In the wee hours of the morning, Jerry Palace offered to give the girl a ride home. She accepted, but the place she directed Jerry to wasn't a house. It was Resurrection Cemetery, and when she got out, she vanished as she approached the gates. In Tompkinsville, Kentucky, two young men on their way to a dance pick up a hitchhiker who agrees to go to the dance with them. Afterward, they take her home. Since it is raining, one of the young men gives the girl his coat, arranging to come back and pick it up the next day. When he returns, though, the woman in the house becomes distraught. Her daughter, whom the lad has just described, died some years ago on the road where they picked her up. His coat, he eventually finds, draped across the girl's headstone at a nearby cemetery. Dr. Eckersall, driving home late one night, picks up a young woman wearing only a sheer evening gown who gets into the back seat of his car since the front seat is full of golf clubs and such. She gives him an address to take her to. When they arrive, though, and he turns to talk to her, there is no one there. In the 1980s, a driver in Alberta turns to find that a ghostly figure has appeared in the passenger seat of the car who turns, smiles, and then disappears. These are the stories of the vanishing hitchhiker. This is Gothic. Hey there, Sojourners. We here at the Gothic Podcast know this is a rough time for a lot of you, for most of you, and we wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to our little project of love here. We're all fine, for the moment at least, and since we record from separate studios, we can practice good social distancing measures and still tell the story that you've come knocking on our door to hear. The rain is coming down hard these days, the wind howls, and the lightning flashes, but the sun will shine again. Until then, and beyond, we hope that the Gothic Podcast can give you a little bit of joy and a whole lot of entertainment. Again, from all of us here at the podcast, Patrick, that's me, Sharon, Jesse, and Nathan, from our lips to your ears, be safe, and thank you for sharing the dark with us. Previously on Gothic kind of looks like it's freshly dug, though the, the dirt just sort of rolls away from it. And LJ sits up in the grave. <laughs> Holy shit! He looks around, sees the bike first, sees you, and then says... Oh, oh my god, that was such a crazy trip, you guys. I gotta tell you about what happened. Half an hour west of in Missouri on Highway 36, headed toward Brookfield. You are somewhere near the Muscle Fork conservation area. It is dark. Only the headlights of your 1981 Sportster Milwaukee edition. That's my Harley, man. That you drive. Only the uh, the big headlight 
illuminating the dark road ahead and part of the roadside where you can see fences flashing by on either side. There was a lake to your right for a while. Trees were sticking up out of it, dead and skeletal in the moonlight. There is moonlight, but it goes in and out of the clouds above you. The night is chilly, but it is late spring, and you come riding up on a woman uh, that you see on the side of the road. You pulled up next to her, gravel crunching underneath the tires of the Harley, the, uh, the rev of the engine drowning out all the sounds around until you cut that, and then only the light is shining on the woman, and there is silence, and soon enough, frogs chirping out in the wetlands to either side of the road. But a far more interest to you is the woman. You stop the Harley and get off, step toward her. She turns toward you. She's wearing a hoodie and shorts. In the light of the bike, you see, quite clearly illuminated underneath the hood of the hoodie, is Haven Harrow. Haven says, help me. Haven, what has happened to you? She reaches out toward you. You must find the book. You must find the book. You must find the book, she says. Avon, what are you talking about? Let's just go back into town and see what we can figure out. We've got Gracie hanging out and some other crazy weird guy, man. I don't know about him, but uh, it seems like he can hold his own. She reaches out further toward you and her hands are pale. I mean, she's stopped where she is. She's not striding toward you, but she's reaching toward you. And where you have stopped, she's almost to touch you. At that moment, the light flickers on the bike, and it goes out for just a second. And you've never had that happen. I mean, you keep the Harley in pretty good. I keep that thing in, like, tip-top, sparkly shape, man. Does your Harley have a name? Of course. Luna. Luna the Harley. When the light stabilizes again... It's no longer Haven Harrow in front of you. It is a younger woman. Uh, Haven is in her mid to late 20s, while this woman is in her, at best, late uh, teens to early 20s. She looks frightened. What have you done to Haven, man? What? What are you talking about? What's going on here? What, uh, what, do, you, what do you mean? Um, I just, I'm, I'm cold and I got dropped off here. And I haven't gotten a ride for hours. I'm I'm headed towards. Um, uh, I I just want to go home. I want to go back to um, Macon. Home to Macon. I have some friends there, and I'm going to be heading back there myself. Would you like a ride? Yeah, yeah, I would. What's your name, Miss? Cassie. Cassie Sutherland. Always have an extra helmet. Uh, let me just get it out of the saddlebags. Sit next to the fire axe that you have sheathed on your motorcycle. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's in the back there with the saddlebags, too. It's like got a nice little sh- mounting bracket. Cassie, Cassie Sutherland. All right, I will load back up on the bike with Cassie and head back to Macon. When she gets on the bike, she, like, stabilizes herself by putting her hands on your shoulders, and one of her hands brushes your neck, and it is ice cold. Are you cold, miss? Do you need some gloves? Do you need a, a, an extra jacket? Uh, all I've got is this hoodie and... Even on warm nights, it can get cold on the back of that bike. Here, here's some extra gloves and another jacket for you. She puts those on. Vroom, vroom. 
you uh, rev Luna back up and start heading east back toward Macon, Missouri. The weird thing is that this happened pretty pretty early in the evening, but as you're only about five miles out or so, the sun starts coming up over the eastern horizon. When you've been on the road as long as I have, sometimes you lose track of time. We're almost to the city now. Where uh, can I drop you at? She says, um, I, I don't, um, I don't know. Um, I guess. Do you have friends, family, anything in Macon? I, there's my house. Um, yeah, okay. So 36 comes in on the north side of Macon. Right at the western edge is Gantz Street. And she tells you to turn left down there. And so that takes you north all the way up to uh, 606. And she has you turn right, not even a few hundred yards down the road. She says, uh, this, this, I, I think this is good. This is probably good. Just let me off here. That's great. Anything I see around? Any houses or anything around? Not really any houses. Uh, there's a cemetery up ahead on the right. Cemetery on the right. And a big church to the north. You Did you want me to drop you off at the church? Do you know the pastor there or something? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, All right. Yeah. Pull into the church and, and park. Can I walk you inside? Can I make sure somebody's there for you? No, no, that's that's okay. Um... Well, this isn't right, though. No, I, I'm sorry. I I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> this is this is so strange. She laughs. I I don't live here. I don't I don't even know. I don't know the pastor here. I don't I don't think. Um, oh, I'm I'm so sorry. No, I live downtown or right outside of town. Can you? I, I'm so sorry. Can you can you just take me downtown? But what brought us here? I mean, you told me to come here. I. I don't know. And she looks really confused. Hmm. What else is wrong with this picture? Do you want to name all the things that are wrong with this picture? All right. If you could tell me exactly where we're going downtown, I'll take you downtown. But this was way out of the way of downtown, just to let you know. I, I, I know. I'm so sorry. I just, I I thought this was where I was going, but it's, it's, it's this is totally not right. She directs you to to go on east and then catch uh, 63 going south. By now, the sun has come up more. Things don't look right. As you're going into the east side of Macon, you see a lot of really classic cars. Uh, Some pass you, some are parked on the side of the road. All of them are from the 40s and 50s, a couple of even from the 30s. The storefronts and the uh, businesses are a lot more sparse than what you remember, because you came in this route. You brought 36 over to 63, 63 south. And by the time you get downtown, it's quite clear that you are, well, quite possibly in the 50s. What the hell is this Back to the Future shit, man? What's going on, Cassie? And in fact, you are now riding a teal blue 1958 Harley Davidson. Wow. <laughs> what happened to my bike? Why? I don't understand. Um, wow. My mind is totally blown at the moment. I don't know what's going on. Um, what do you mean? To be honest, Cassie, this looks like I went back in time and don't have a clue what's going on. Did I lose all my technology from the future also? 
like phone, watch. It did my clothes change. You still have your phone. Um, you still have your watch. Uh, your clothes are all the same. Your axe is still in a holster on the side of the motorcycle. Saddlebags are still there. Cassie, though, is now wearing an ankle-length skirt. It's white with um, hearts and puppies running around the bottom hem. <laughs> and she's wearing a white blouse above that. And then your jacket... All right, this is way tripping me out, but I'm kind of interested, so <laughs> take me to your house. Yeah, just take me um, downtown, and I'll uh, say hi to my dad. Um, he's the sheriff. I know exactly where that's at. It's over by the smokehouse. That's some good food. I will say that. And you get to the police station, which is a much older building than what you remember, uh, and not quite in the same place. There's a few 1950s police cars pulled up there with the lights on the top, the one single light on the top of the car. I walk her into the police station, make sure she gets in touch with her dad. Her dad comes out. He's a big bear of a guy in the standard khakis of a small town sheriff. He's got the hat and everything. A gun on his belt. He sees his daughter first and hugs her and goes, Honey, what are you doing out here uh, so early? Oh, Daddy, I uh, I don't know. I just I just thought I'd uh, get up early and come see you. Oh, this is my friend. Um, Hi, sir. My name's LJ. Nice to meet you, Sheriff. He looks at you kind of appraisingly and shakes your hand and goes, Well, hello, son. Um, I don't believe I know you. No, nah, I was driving down the road out on the 30s. Six and uh, saw your daughter walking about a half hour away from Macon and said she lived back here. So I thought it'd be a good idea to drop her off, make sure she got home safe. Cassie, he says, and she says, um, um, yeah, well, you know, I, well, Billy and I might have, uh, you know, gone out that way. And the sheriff suddenly looks really not happy. I have told you, young lady, that that boy is not for you. And if he's taking you out in the middle of the night, out in the middle of nowhere, then I'm going to have a chat with that boy. Cassie tips her head down and she looks really, really contrite. So this Billy, he's the one that dropped you off out there? Cassie uh, turns to you and says, um, yeah, um, Billy Wheeler, he's my, um, you do not say boyfriend, says the sheriff. <laughs> you do not say boyfriend. He's my, um, he's my friend from, uh, from school. I mean, we're both seniors, and so we, we see a lot of each other. Well, Sheriff, uh, now that we've got Casey back safe, did you, uh, did you, would you like me to give her a ride home or leave her here with you? And I just, I just wanted to make sure she was safe. Um, I'm, I'm out searching for some of my friends also. Is that right? Um, well, I think Cassie will be right fine with me, but uh, let, let you and me have a chat, shall we? Uh, Cassie, you, you go on across the street to Mary's and you have yourself some breakfast. You tell her I'll pay. Cassie nods and goes out the door and you see her crossing the street to a little uh, breakfast spot that is already open. It appears to be about 6 a.m. In the 50s. In the 50s. <laughs> I love it. LJ. Where are you from, LJ? What brings you to town? You say you're looking for some friends? Yeah, I split up with some friends here in Macon a uh, little while ago and just kind of got turned around and now I'm just trying to find my way back. Anything strange going on in this town, sir? What, what do you mean? I don't know. It's just, it's just been really odd because, to be honest, sir, 
Cassie told me she got dropped off out there by some guy in a truck, not by her boyfriend, Billy. Well, Billy has a truck. Oh, all right. It's all souped up. I don't like the way they, uh, well, let me just say the boys uh, sometimes like to go out um, and do a little drag racing on 36 in some of those quiet areas, some of the straightaways. Yeah, open road does have a certain calling to it. Is that your Harley out there? Yes, sir. Hmm. I see. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't I don't like judging nobody first moment I see him none. And you brought my daughter here. I gotta thank you for that. But uh, I don't need no trouble. Let's just keep it quiet as long as you're here. I understand, sir. Is there a nice place you could recommend to uh, get some rest while I try and get in touch with my friends? Well, there's a... Uh... Candace's. She has a boarding house up on uh, up on Butler. Uh, you tell her I sent you, and you'll get a good deal. But uh, let me just say, I'd rather not see you here. Say once you found your friends. Oh, understandable, sir. Uh, uh, I'm looking to get back to where I came from, anyway. Uh, and, and where's that again? Uh, not too far from here. I'm, I was born in Ohio, but uh, military family, and you know, open road. I, I get to doing a lot of traveling. Military family? Uh, were you in the military? You don't look... Uh... I was not, unfortunately. I have a, I have a condition with my feet where uh, they wouldn't let me in. A little flat-footed, you know. My daddy had that. Well, anyway. All right, well, I can recommend a good, um, a good breakfast over across the street at Mary's. Uh, and then uh, Candace's for a place to stay. But we have ourselves an understanding, yes? Yes, sir. Thank you. There's some squawking on the radio, and so he goes over to check out what that's all about. All right. I will go over to Mary's. As I'm walking over there, I'd like to check and see what kind of uh, money situation I do have, and if I even have anything that would look like from the 50s. Well, your money is money. The dates are wrong, but as long as nobody looks really closely, you don't have any of the new giant-headed stuff. Uh, or any, you know, plastic money or anything. Checking your saddlebags, your clothes that are in the saddlebags are 1950s clothes, just not the clothes that you're wearing. Okay. All right. And as I walk into Mary's, I'm looking out for Cassie. Do I see Cassie? Well, everybody turns and looks at you. There are a lot of farmers, uh, several of them gathered around a table uh, having a coffee clutch. And you, you see Cassie, she's up at the counter bantering with an older woman with really uh, poofed hair. Well, good morning to y'all. I, uh, I've been told this is some good eating. A uh, sheriff sent me over, so I thought I might try a cup of coffee and maybe a slice of pie. Are you affecting the uh, southern accent, or are you just regressing to your Georgian roots? Affecting. After the obligatory small-town stares, a couple of them tip their hats to you, and they turn back to their own discussions, and, and talk starts back up in the cafe. You go up, and Cassie says, And this is the guy that rescued me. Um, his name's LJ. And he has a, and she leans over the counter to Mary and he goes, she has a, he has a real bitchin' bike. <laughs> and Mary laughs. <laughs> well, she's never been called that before, but thanks, Cassie. So, Cassie, tell me, why, why didn't you tell me that it was your boyfriend that dropped you off way down 36? She looks confused. She says, um, it, it wasn't, it was a guy in a, in a pickup truck, but it wasn't, it wasn't Billy's pickup. Uh, I mean, I was headed 
toward Kansas City, I, I think, but I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. It's... And actually, she looks like she's about ready to start crying. Uh, Mary has, has gone back to start making some food at this point, so you're the only two at the counter. It's okay, Cassie. You can be honest with me. I mean, I'm just trying to understand why you lied to your dad. I'm I'm not I'm I'm being honest. I I don't it's confusing because I was out with Billy, but I was also in a truck with this guy headed towards Kansas City. So what's so like what's the last thing you remember with Billy? We um we were in his truck. We were headed uh west. Um she holds her head. Do you remember any of the sites, lakes, buildings? Uh, oh, we were laughing uh, because we were going to go meet Jared and, and Clive. And Clive had just got his car back. He had just done some things to it. And so he was like all, all boasting. But, but Billy was, um, was like, I, you know, Billy's truck is like really nice. And, but, then, but then I was in a truck with somebody else headed west, I think. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you worry about it. Do you know, do you know where we could find Billy? I mean, he's probably asleep. He'll be at the uh, drive-in later. Well, here's my concern, Cassie. I just want to make sure that Billy's all right, too. And if he's having any confusion with what happened last night. I mean, I I guess we could go to his house. Hey, Mary, is it okay if I take that coffee to go? That's quite fine. Here you go. Thank you so much, ma'am. This is northern Missouri. I don't know why they have such deep southern accents. Thank you so much, ma'am. Cassie? Uh, She comes with you. Exit. You head to Billy's house. Yes. And it's not terribly far away. It's set off from the road, nicely painted, all white, a couple of stories. It's got a porch on the front. Very, you know, very 1950s. Everybody can have a family with one job and still make rent kind of place. (laughs) And buy a house even. And buy a house even. Do I see any spiffy truck that Billy would be driving? Oh, it's totally there in the driveway. It is... Um, yellow with red flames coming back from the front. <laughs> awesome. The hood is cut out, and the engine stands up at, above the um, above the level of the hood. It's all chrome and uh, polished. The back wheels are jacked up, and so the whole thing looks like it's ready to pounce forward. <laughs> all right. Wow, Billy. Billy's got some interesting taste in cars, doesn't he, Cassie? Isn't it pretty? She says. <laughs> sure. Well, let's make sure Billy's okay. You want to knock or you want me? She runs up to the door and she knocks. And a woman in her 30s uh, answers the door. She seems happy to see Cassie, but also a little confused. But she nods and yells back into the house. A fair-haired youth, close to six feet tall, uh, comes to the door, picks up Cassie, and twirls her around in a big hug and uh, says, Hey, babe, what you doing here? Oh, you know, I, w- I came into town early today and uh, just thought I'd, I'd come in and say hi. And we, and now she gets kind of confused again. And we wanted to see if you were okay. She turns back to you. Why did we want to know if he was okay? Hi, Billy. My name's LJ. He, he's very cautious. He goes, Hey, man. You got a nice truck there. He looks over at it. He looks out at the road. He sees your bike. He goes, oh, nice bike. That yours? Uh, that's my baby. That's my Luna. Uh, she sure is pretty. Thanks. You got a name for your truck? Oh, yeah, sure. Don't know what it is, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I do. I'd name my truck Cassie. <laughs> How sweet. Cassie blushes and giggles. 
just trying to figure out what I want to ask him now. So, Billy, you guys uh, went uh, way off out on uh, 36 last night. He looks at Cassie. Uh, yeah, no. No, I, I actually st- I stayed in last night. When was the last time you went out with Cassie? Um, oh, what was it, Cass? Uh, Friday? Yeah, I guess it was Friday. And today is? Tuesday. It's Tuesday, Friday. Okay. Cassie goes, wait, but we went out to meet Clive and Jared, right? Clive got his Clive got his uh, car back and we were going to... And Billy says, oh, no, babe. Clive doesn't have his car back yet. Uh, he gets that back today. Uh, we're going to go out tonight, remember? And she goes, oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then they stand there staring at one another while you think about it. Yeah, while well, I think about what to say or ask or do. What the hell? I'm so confused, man. <laughs> Were you guys planning on going right now, too? Cassie? I mean, he was real nice to me. Oh, was he? Billy says. Listen, Billy, it's nothing like that, man. I just saw her on the side of the road, just wanted to make sure she got home. Side of the road? What were you doing on the side of the road, Cass? That's what we're trying to figure out. I, I don't know. I was I was on 36, and it was, like, late at night. But oh, I, don't, I don't know, Billy. It's okay. Uh, LJ brought me back. It's all all right. Yeah? And Billy's like, I guess. Yeah, anyway, yeah, we're, we're meeting up. Uh, we're going to go see a movie tonight at the at the drive-in and then we're gonna uh, head out and uh, you know do some racing you know i i suspect you know something about that yeah i wouldn't mind joining for a nice ride out to 36 again just kind of see how everything goes out there i got a couple of things to take care of in town um checking in over at candace's man but uh would totally love to uh, catch up with you guys later uh, just tell me a place to meet you and where we can ride um well we're gonna be uh We'll watch the movie, so sunset at the drive-in. I'm just going to go straight out from the drive-in? Oh, that's that's what we usually do. We have ourselves some uh, malted shakes at the drive-in and uh, watch a little bit of the movie. And uh, if it's good, we'll stay. And if it's not, then we'll we'll head out from there. Well, if I don't find my friends by then, then uh, maybe we'll go take a ride. Be nice to see how well that truck does. Yeah, I hope to see you, says Cassie. And at that, Billy looks really annoyed. But LJ, I'm, I'm good now. I think I'm just going to walk home from here. So, uh, uh, But I'll see you later, right? Sure, Cassie. So you head off. You get checked in at Candace's B&B. It's a three-story Victorian. Is there a B&B back in those days? There's always <laughs> a B&B. Although it's called a boarding house rather than a, than a B&B. Um, you have a room on the first floor, kind of toward the back. It only has a small window and a very small bed, but it's all very cozy and quaint, and there's like a handmade quilt on the bed. It's very nice. Okay, so I've got a place for the night. Tell me about Candace. She's very blunt and very straightforward. She's like, no drugs, no alcohol. You're in by 10. That's them rules. If you want to eat, you eat at 6. If you come in at 6.15... You don't eat. Understood, ma'am. I really am just looking for my friends that we're passing through making. You haven't heard of any strangers other than me, you know, coming through town. Strangers? I'm looking for some that would probably be staying in the area. Do you have something more to go on than that? She looks around. We had a couple of Russians come through, like, last week. Yeah, no, I wasn't talking about anything like that, but wow, now you've piqued my interest. They said they were going to Minneapolis. Well, there's nothing in Minneapolis, though, right? (laughs) I don't know, never been. I've never been out of uh, Macon County. No, the the folks I'm looking for are a little more uh, 
they might be dressed kind of strangely like me because they've been traveling to a female friend of mine named Grace and a male friend of mine kind of looks like he he could have been police or an army type and he's been driving a truck looks like he might have kind of like that short fuse kind of personality uh no okay now there was that one girl that could lift up trucks with her brain there what did okay no i'm kidding i'm sorry oh all right (laughs) (laughs) russians girls that can lift things with two by two hands of blue two by two hands of blue (laughs) for all my brown coat friends out there um any recommendations antique houses or anything like that really really nice sites while i'm here for the day and antiques yeah you know just things that uh are old things that might uh have a story behind them. We got ourselves a big old uh, osteopathic sanatorium. Uh, it's on the south side of town. That's the biggest enterprise going here in Macon. Okay. Well, thank you, Candace. Uh, your hospitality is very kind. Uh, appreciate the interesting information on the Russians and the sanatorium. If I'm not back by six, and that's okay. Eat without me. I head out. Uh, by this point, it's getting a little later in the day. Actually, on my way back through town... Before I get too far south, I think I actually might stop by the sheriff's office again. And I'd like to see if Sheriff Sutherland is still in. Yes, he is. Sheriff Sutherland, can I have another moment with you? LJ, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, what can I do you for, son? Yeah, I'm just still concerned about Cassie. She seems to be a little confused, sir. I I think she was saying she went out Friday night with Billy... And then last night was when she I found her. Don't know what you're getting at here, son. Okay, have you seen your daughter since Friday? Well, yeah, uh, we had dinner last night. Okay, then she's she's missing some time, sir, and I just I don't know if she needs to like be checked out and make sure that she doesn't have a concussion or something wrong cuz she's missing like a few days worth of time and I knew that you as a father would be concerned about that. Well, last night at dinner, she seemed fine. I mean, I knew that she went out with Billy on Friday night. I I was not uh, happy about that. Uh, However, we talked about that on Saturday. On Sunday, we went to church. Then we went, uh, because it was a really, real nice day, we went down uh, down to the lake and had a picnic lunch. And then on Monday, I worked, but we had dinner as usual. And then last night, we also had dinner as usual. Then this morning, she comes in saying that she was out on 36, and you picked her up. So you understand my concerns, sir? I do. I guess I could take her in and have one of them um, head docs take a look at her down at the sanatorium. Right, down that osteopathic one. Yeah, they do all sorts of things. Yeah, osteopathic. Doesn't that mean, like, they try and include, like, every kind of a treatment? Like, water therapy, they focus on what you're eating and making sure you're exercising, and they use that as a whole? Not kind of like a newfangled idea? That's, I think that's uh, homopathic. They uh, they opened it in uh, the 1920s. I don't really understand it much myself. They seem to do a lot of different things, more unusual things than what uh, most hospitals like to do. I'm no doctor, so that is not a place for me, but I know that head injuries can cause people to lose chunks of time, have amnesia. Head injuries? Was she hurt? Was my Cassie hurt? That's what I want to find out, sir. And why are you so interested in my daughter? Mostly, it's not about your daughter. It's about the loss of time that she had, sir. Let's just say I'm feeling a little time displacement myself. And Mm. 
I just want to find out where I fit in in all of this. Well, all right. I'll give a call down there to the hospital and see if we can't get her in in the next few days. Thank you, sir. And I'm going to probably head down there and see if uh, they can answer some questions for me in, in, in my loss of time as well. That may be a good idea. Um, although, you remember what we talked about earlier. Oh, I'll be out of here as soon as I can, sir. So, off to the Stillhedrith Sanatorium? What is it called? Max Headroom Sanatorium? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Still Hildreth Sanatorium. As you go south on 63, you see a building coming up on your right, and it is tan-ish in color. It is probably three or maybe even four stories high. There are towers on each corner, castle-like, that uh, rise up another story. The roof is all glass and appears to be just a giant skylight running the entire length of the building. Behind it is a, a tall chimney that appears to be the powerhouse for the building, while off to the north is another building, also with the same red slate roof. Impressive in its own right, but dwarfed by the main structure, which is huge. I don't know how I got myself here. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happened to my Luna, man. <sighs> I need to find some answers. For some reason, I keep getting pointed this way. Inner monologue time. I guess I'll check it out. That's quite the inner monologue you just had. <laughs> you pull in to the long driveway. You pass through a gate that is open, but secured at either side by tall stone gates that have lions set into them in bas relief. You drive up the long driveway under several trees to a circular drive that circles in front. Does there seem to be an area for parking? Oh, sure. All right. You park. There are doors. They open outward. You uh, pull one open and go inside. There's a reception area. Right in front of you, though, is a staircase, just a wide sweeping staircase that goes up to a landing, and then that landing branches off into two more staircases that go up to a the second floor. Uh, light streams down. The whole center portion of this uh, building is open, and uh, it's just filled with light, and there's plants around and chairs. And But off to your uh, left is a uh, reception area, and there's a woman standing there at the desk. Well, hello, sir. Can I help you? Hi, ma'am. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm looking for some answers. I have some questions about uh, things dealing with, like, head trauma or loss of time, uh, amnesia, not not knowing what time you're in. Oh, oh um, okay. Well, is there somebody I can talk to? Doctor, perhaps? Uh, certainly. Mm, give me a minute. And she goes off in the back. Pretty soon, comes back with a doctor. He is in white scrubs, but more of a, more of the, almost the mad scientist kind of looking outfit. And he has white gloves on. He is tall. He has a relatively sharp nose. He has dark hair that is long, but slicked back away from his face. And he comes up to you and he takes one of his gloves off and he reaches out and to shake your hand. He says, I understand you have a problem. Yeah, sir. Uh, I have a friend who seems to have had a little bit of loss of time, amnesia kind of thing, and I'm just trying to help her out. And just, I guess I want some advice on like where I should go and what I should do and trying to figure out the best way to help out this friend. 
I see. Is your friend Hugh? I have, man. I've got so many issues, sir. But I'm I'm concerned about another person as well. I'm looking into this as as kind of a peace offering for her father. Not that I'm trying to. <sighs> Not that I'm trying to step in where I shouldn't, but when somebody all of a sudden has lost four days of time, uh, I'm concerned for their well-being and want to know what things could possibly cause this. Hmm. Well, yes. Uh, well, it. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but I am, I'm fairly busy here. It would be best if you brought your friend in so that we could examine her, uh, but I, just off the uh, top of my head, I mean, this could be a head injury, or it could be uh, something that was dwelling within her mind for some time, and has just now, due to a shock or some sort of uh, external pressure, have uh, created. See, this is something I was trying to tell the sheriff, and I don't think he quite understood, but I believe he was going to try and make an appointment to get to get Cassie in. Oh, Cassie Sutherland? Yes, sir. Uh, Sheriff Sutherland's uh, daughter. Of course, we'll find time for her. Well, thank you, sir. And if I do have any other questions, um, I'll be sure to, to, to seek you out again. Um, excuse me, what was your name again? Certainly, uh, uh, Dr. Kane, Lazarus Kane. <laughs> nice to meet you, Lazarus Kane. My name is Larry Jace. I forgot my last name. Uh, my name... <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Lazarus Kane. My name is Larry Jace Bradley. Is it all right if I look around? Is there, like, any restricted areas that I shouldn't go around? Hmm, no. Um, uh, we're open here. It's a fine uh, establishment. It is quite beautiful. I love the architecture and just how much light you get in through that, through all that ceiling glass. It's just amazing. Yeah, indeed. It is a lovely building. It used to be a uh, military academy, you know. A military academy, you say? Mm-hmm. That's what it was originally designed to be. The building next to us uh, was a gymnasium and shooting range and a pool over there. And what is it now? Well, the pool is still there. We use it for um, therapy. Uh, the shooting range, we obviously do not. Well, that's good. Well, thank you so much again for your kindness. Um, and like I said, if I have any other questions, I will either let you or your receptionist here know. Mm-hmm. Have a great day, sir. Well, certainly. All right, now I want to investigate a mystery. Okay. Because <laughs> that mofo said, yeah, anyway. <laughs> he definitely perked up a little bit when I said Cassie's name. I'm kind of curious if he knows what's going on with Cassie. Yeah, I'd like to walk around the sanatorium and check things out, see if see if there's anything hidden, if uh, there's something shady going on. Curious about that kind of stuff. So you just nose around? Yeah. Investigate a mystery. Investigate a mystery, I will. Oh, where'd that go? Uh, 11. I believe an 11 is good for two questions. What is being concealed here? Oh, I can't hardly answer that now, can I? That's like a whole season's worth of uh, mysteries answered right there. <laughs> <laughs> what is being concealed here? So you go nosing around the hospital. You're not allowed a lot of time. They kind of said it was open and free to roam around, but it doesn't take a lot of time to wander around the main spaces, after which the orderlies and the receptionist and the doctors passing by will probably start 
giving you a bit of the eye and wondering why you're still here. There are patients, the ones who are able to be let out into the common areas. They are wandering around in white gown, but some of those patients aren't right. You're the mundane, right? Yes. Uh, you already got your experience for going off on your uh, your own, correct? <laughs> yes. I did mark it. I, I believe I marked it anyway. So I'm going to give you another one just because here you are throwing yourself into another dangerous situation. Going off by myself, checking it out. All right. Off on your own without the sheriff or anybody checking it out on your own. Um, there's just occasional glimpses you get here and there. Like here's a patient that looks at you and you could swear that their eyes are red. Or, so the second floor has, it's a pretty nice area. Uh, the main floor area is there with couches and chairs and potted plants. But there are sections cut into the floor that are also glassed in so that the light from the skylight can continue flowing from the uppermost floor all the way through to the ground floor where you came in. But even though it's bright light, you have to shiver when you swear that you could see the couches through one of the patients. Slightly invisible? Perhaps. (laughs) One patient, at least, who has red eyes. I can see the chair through another patient. You can see the chair through another for a moment. Just glimpses. A third doesn't seem to touch the ground for about half the time that they're walking. And and they're halfway across the building from you, so it's really hard to tell for sure because this is a very, very large building. Okay. That's about what I've got for you on what is being concealed here. Then my follow-up is going to be uh, what happened here. So obviously there's something being concealed. There's people that aren't right. Okay. What w- What do you think would be a good way to find that out? Like, do you want to try to break into the records room, or... Yeah! On further inspection and realizing that some of these patients just aren't right, I think I want to find out more about what's going on in this hospital, and I want to find out what happened here. So yeah, I want to break into the records room, see if there's more information that I can find. You nose around a little bit, and you find that there is a level below the the main level where the reception hall was. There's a common area down here, a rec room kind of thing. But down a hallway is a door that says records. It appears to be locked. Well, it's a good thing I've got my multi-tool on me. As I pull out my Leatherman and pick the lock. Let's go with act under pressure. All right. <laughs> That is a nice even seven. You are going to be able to break into the records room, but someone is going to be coming into the records room shortly after you do, or you're going to break into the records room and your multi-tool is going to be broken because you're not a very good lockpick um a lock picker, or you're going to be able to break into the records room, but it's going to take you a very long time, and you're concerned that people may notice that you uh, haven't left the building yet. Um, crap. What are you doing to me? All right, we'll go with the first choice. Somebody is shortly behind me. You go into the records room. I mean, do you flick the light on, or? Uh, well, how bright is it? The rest of the place is pretty bright with, like, 
This is actually the floor below the main floor. The floor below the main floor. Gotcha. Is there any kind of light in there? There is a light. You, there's a light switch on the wall. It's the 1950s, not the medieval, you know, it's not the uh, Middle Ages. Yeah, go ahead and use the light. It's a fairly large room with the standard shelving units, each with box after box after box of individual records named after the patient. There's also, for newer patients, there's uh, several filing cabinets up near a desk in the front. Looking for the newer files. Go over to the filing cabinets and you start... um, Particular attention to see if I find anything on Cassie. Oh, okay. You start flicking through the um, files, just looking for anything of interest. You do actually come across a file on Cassie Sutherland. Before you found anything of interest on any other patients, though, you hear footsteps in the hallway and a hand at the doorknob of the door. I I should have clarified where this light switch was. Right by the door. All right, I'm going to try and hide behind the door, and as soon as they come in, try and find a way to sneak behind them to get away. I suppose I shouldn't ask, but are you going to grab the file on Cassie as you do so? Yes. So, act under pressure? Acting under pressure again. Eight. Damn. (laughs) I want that ten. (laughs) (laughs) You can get out. But as you hear the the hand on the doorknob, you have your hand on Cassie's file. But as you freak out, you can go hide behind the door and then slip out. But you accidentally, in your rush, dropped the file back into the filing cabinet. Or you can hide behind the door and... As the person comes in, you can sneak out, but they will hear you and they will turn and they will come back out into the hallway and find you there. Or um, you can hide behind the door and as they come in, they... What's another good one? <laughs> as you As they come in, they see you but you have been able to hide Cassie's file uh, in your coat, and so they won't they won't be aware of that, at least. Okay, I will take the last option. They see me. I don't make it to the door, but I have Cassie's file hidden. Wow, choosing the hardest ones every time. I appreciate that. You hide behind the door as uh, an orderly comes in. He is wearing the usual white scrubs. Looks to be in his mid-20s. You don't know him. You haven't seen him around the building. He looks over toward the light switch to flick it on and sees you. And he goes, ah, ah, (laughs) ah. Oh, thank God I finally found somebody. I got turned around in this place and ended up here and hoping that I'd find some kind of map of the place to try and get myself out. Can you show me which direction into the stairs? Uh, I'm going to have you do a manipulate someone on this. I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> That's plus charm. Yeah. And my charm is plus two. So. Oh, eight. On an eight, they'll do it, but only if you do something for them right now to show that you mean it. <laughs> if you've asked too much, they'll tell you what, if anything, it would take for them to do it. And so he says, yeah, okay, but I think uh, I need to talk to Dr. Kane. I mean, you're not supposed to be in here, so uh, if you'll just come with me. Like I said, I, I understand, and I'm just trying to find my way back out. Um, I, met, I met Dr. Kane. Uh, he was a very nice guy. He gave me a lot of information. 
I I just like I just like to clear this with Dr. Kane. I just I gotta just cover my butt, you know. So this is essentially the thing that he is saying you have to do in order to that he'll do it, that he'll let you go. But to show you mean it, you have to be willing to go up and and talk to the doc. That'd be great. He can point me towards the pool. I was really hoping to get there anyway. Check that place out. Yeah, that's in that building next door. Right. And I thought there was an exit out this way, but I was wrong. You guys go up. Kane is actually, uh, seems to be relatively busy. Before we get there, can I uh, try to scout what my best way out is? Uh, Read a bad situation, then. Eleven. No, sorry. Yeah, eleven with my sharp. Nice. That's a hold three. What's my best way out? All right, so you're asking what your best way out is. As he's taking you... Um, he takes you upstairs, which goes right by the reception area, and the door is right to your right. There's your way out right there. You could just go. I mean, you're not a prisoner here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it. You just like say, Hey, thanks for the good times of the donuts. Yeah, basically in my head I'm all like, Man, screw this crazy place, I'm out of here and run for the door. You just so he's taking you along and you just run. Yep. Okay. You run out. Get on Luna and right away. Okay, you run out to the parking lot. He like comes out after you to the to the steps, and he's like, "Hey!" But you're already on the motorcycle, and you're like barreling away. <laughs> the Gothic Podcast is produced by C. Patrick Nagel, with theme music by Zoe Hovland and cover artwork by Jared George Art. Listen to the Gothic Podcast on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow The Gothic Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for The Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please visit our Patreon page. Thanks. Thanks.